0: I'm Stephen Gregory Smith, and
1: I'm Matt Connor.
0: Places, everyone! It's time for the, the Connor, Connor and, Smith and Smith Show. Thank you, places. All right, so we are talking to Broadway star
1: Heidi Blickenstaff this evening. Um, Show's did... a little early tonight. Show's a little early. Yep. Yeah, which is why my hair is still wet, and right. nothing is done to it. Look at that. It's what, ha- what hair is left. Why well, it's a dirty shame.
0: All right. Get that light out of the... There we go. Um, So I have, again, this book that we have been doing exercises from that's called You're Weird, um, a creative journal for misfits, oddballs, and anyone else who's uniquely awesome by Kate Peterson.
1: Thank you, Kate, for this wonderful
0: gift. Kate, if you're out there... We um, would love a t-shirt. Sure would. Okay, uh, so today's exercise is Fortune Favors the Weird. What ridiculous message would you want to find inside a fortune cookie? What would you want to tell someone else in theirs? Okay. Hi, Barbara. Um, Hi, Barbara. Um... So, so you're at, let's say, May Island, one of our favorite places, and you're opening your fortune cookie, and it says something out of this world. What would it be? Mine would be... Don't look behind you. I would hate to read that. What if if it's just a waiter? Could be. All right. Matt, do you have a a weird fortune?
1: Well, if if I open up... If I was to be in charge of making slogans in fortune cookies I would probably do one that says no matter what they say you are something oh that's very nice Uh, let me write that
0: down no matter what they
1: say you are something well see I was thinking the other the other way I was thinking yeah well no matter what they say yeah you're something you are something that was
0: thinking. Uh, I'm going to do another one. Are you going to have Heidi you one? Uh huh. There... Oh, okay. But we're not going to ever do it all. Um, what if it just said,
1: Oh no? In the fortune cookie? Yes! Your fortune is Oh no? <laughs> oh no! Exclamation point. Like it would be startling. Um, right. Okay. Uh, what if the fortune cookie said. Yes, I'm ready. Um.
0: Yes. Drumroll, please. I'm trying to think how, what, what's funny. <laughs> I'm trying to think what's funny.
1: Uh, your luck now. You know when you get one and it says, "Oh, your lucky numbers are three, seven, and nine. That's actually what they say, though. This would be something weird that they say. Um.
0: well. This is going to make for breathtaking audio later. Um, So let's just say that uh, we will be right back with Heidi Blickenstaff. We'll be right
1: back.
0: How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am good. If you hear snarfling, it's the two pugs, Eddie and Byron, in the background.
2: Good. I, I love all
1: snarfling. And, and sometimes me, Matt.
2: Hi, Maddie. <laughs> How's
1: it
0: going?
2: Good. I'm so happy to hear both your voices.
0: Yes, we're happy to hear yours. Um, how, outside of the obvious pandemic, um, how have you been? <laughs> I've been
2: fine. You know, trying to um not wither on the vine. I you know, trying to stay sane and also do my best to stay creative. It's been it's been nuts, but the the one saving grace is we're all in the same boat, so that's comforting.
0: Right. And are you are you in uh California or New York?
2: We've been in New York City this entire time. Wow yeah in the you know the center of the zombie apocalypse which you know it definitely feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel here i hope it feels feels like that there too
0: absolutely um we've both had uh both of our shots um, yeah we have two. that's great and now i think like anyone who's 16 and up can get them so
1: yeah.
0: hopefully uh all the children running around won't be spreading things anymore. Um, yeah. Yes, uh,
1: occasionally on Friday evenings, our neighbors put too much Bacardi light in the tunnel, and <laughs> they, they're like, they're out there in the backyard kicking up their boots
0: with Mom juice. Yeah,
1: you know, I whatever gets you through, I guess. Uh, yeah, we went on podcast. What was it last week? And we were so excited because we felt like we were like you know doing something. And we went out in our backyard. And we heard our neighbors having this huge party. We're like, God, this kind of sucks. We're just like stuck in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah I know. It's been those those get togethers, get togethers have been so controversial, but I guess they're going to become less and less controversial now that everybody's getting all vaxxed up.
0: Right. And you hear people hear, you know, say, Oh, we're podding together with that family. And I'm like, <laughs> right. <clears throat> are you being scientifically sure that you are right, podding exactly. with that family? Right. Okay,
1: I don't, want to, I don't want to jump right into the career cliff. <laughs> However, I have to tell you, occasionally your ears could be burning from Virginia to New York because occasionally Stephen and I will run across something that you have performed and sort of like a palate cleanser. Oh. we like run to YouTube and I'm like, oh my God, I have to hear Heidi sing this song right now because I don't know what just happened in my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What's what's uh, on your Heidi Palette cleansing list? Well, Sing Happy. There is Sing, oh, sing
1: happy. happy. That's a good and one. There's, and there's also, I am haunted. I am haunted. I'm deliciously haunted by the trio of At The Rialto. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's, that movie medley was- um, Truly, that was an inspired arrangement by the one and only David Loud. And yes. uh, I just like, um, you know, he is so wildly talented. And when when we heard that for the first time, all of us were hypnotized and so, so excited to sing that for an audience. And even though it's very, you know, it's not necessarily this big, belty, showstoppy situation. Um, that arrangement is so magical. Everybody always would say that movie medley, the movie medley, the movie medley. And um, I'm so glad that it was captured for PBS because when we did do that uh, First You Dream for PBS, it was about half of the material that it was originally when we did it signature. And then when we did it again at the Kennedy Center. So we lost so many gems, but that one made the cut. And I'm so glad because I it's one of the most thrilling things I've ever had the pleasure of singing.
1: Well, you know, we were, we just, we were watching a few, you know, things online as we have during the year. And I was actually talking to a friend of mine who teaches at uh, NYU and um, Temple uh, voice. And, And he's just a little genius. And I was like, what is the magic in mashing things up? Because you know, occasionally you you'll hear a two songs or three that are put together. You're like, yeah, they kind of work. Yeah. And then there, and then those are those moments that it really freaking works.
2: Yeah. I, and David is particularly adept at that. I, I think he, David, has been given many, many gifts. Um, but that is probably, if I had to pick my favorite, those mashup arrangements are always my favorite. And whenever I work with David which I hope is soon for God's sake. Um, whenever I've been lucky enough to work with him, all of us sit around waiting for, okay, what do we get? What, what did you give to me? What did you make? And um, you know, whatever concert I'm doing with him, whether it's, you know, I've done, that obviously was the Kendra and Ebb concert, but we did, I did a Sondheim concert with him. I did a Vernon Duke concert with him, a Burton Lane concert with him. And those mashups, He's so great at them that, you know, I I feel like there should be a Broadway show just devoted to David Loud's mashups because they're that good. Not everybody can do it, like you said, Maddie. It's like, it is. it takes a true, you know, genius to be able to pull off something that's not trite and, you know, everybody can feel what's coming next. Um, David is very surprising and and gifted at that.
0: I really agree with you nobody does it like he does yeah. uh one of the songs that i definitely missed off of first of all can we talk about because we've never talked about it you and i the pbs uh yeah. was amazing it was yeah. amazing Thank you, I, I, agree. <laughs> I was sitting there going wait there's some things missing i bet they couldn't do xyz because of xyz um but the, the one thing that, like, it pained my heart that was not there. Wait, was... let me guess.
2: Let me guess. Are you going yeah. to say the belt off with me and Mernie?
0: That is on the list, but it's not what I was going to say.
2: Okay. Ring them bells?
0: On the list, but not my top.
2: <laughs> See, that's the thing. It's like there were so many great songs in that show. All right. Yeah. I'll let you tell me. I won't keep busting in.
0: Um. Boom biddy. Boom biddy. Boom biddy 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 What was that called?
2: Uh, um. Boom diddy. Boom diddy. Boom. Boo, da, 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 da. That's a great. That is a great song. I think it's from Fifty Girls Fifty. If Seventy I'm- Girls not. Seventy. Or seven. I knew it was a number. <laughs> <laughs> That. All right, New Musical Theater Nerds. I don't want to hear about it, okay? Like, I should have known that, I know. <laughs> um, yes, that was a particularly super, super fun song. But all, I, it's interesting that that was, that is a standout to you because I, I, a lot of people... Um, I Was that one kind of controversial where people like, I could have taken that one or left that one. But I, I, I'm glad that you like that a lot. I
0: always thought it was hysterical because there were no words. It was just this made up language. Hey,
1: karma also. Karma, yes.
0: Karma, yes.
2: Really yes. work <laughs> For sure. For sure. Karma Camp, our, our brilliant choreographer, you know, obviously she always brings so much to the party. And for those of you that have not seen it, it uh, it's it's there are no lyrics. It's just you know, boom diddy, boom diddy, boom diddy diddy, boom. Very candor and, and um, and there are three couples that are telling various physical stories. And um, I'm sure that was fun for you to learn, Stephen. You had to learn all three, right?
0: Yes, me and my bestie Alicia Gamble uh, understudied First You Dream at the Kennedy Center production. Yeah, and. I had to learn all three men's tracks <laughs> and Alicia had to learn all three women's tracks. And yeah. Yeah. basically Alicia and I got paid to hang out in the rehearsal room listening to the audio of the show and singing along and performing and dancing along for like, you know, a run of a show. It was fantastic.
2: Did you guys um, did you did did either of you end up going on ever?
0: Alicia did. Alicia
2: did. Alicia did. That's right. That's right.
0: Yes, Alicia yeah. went on for um oh god for patina for patina because patina was like in the last round of that pippin, yeah, uh, callback stuff. So she yeah, and it's
2: so sad it didn't work out for her. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, what yeah. A career. that's too bad. That's too bad. <laughs> um, Yes, I do. I remember that. And Alicia was so brilliant. Alicia had originally done done First You Dream with us at Signature and was so mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, and we were so happy that she, that she did uh, the show with us behind the scenes to pop in any second for Patina mm-hmm. when we did it at the Kennedy Center.
0: And honestly, one of the most joyous gigs of my life because... I had met you years before and so I had already known you and I knew I think one or two of the other performers but like the joy of my career to literally this is so SGS of me like I didn't have to perform I just got paid to sit and be (laughs) in the presence of musical theater and yeah I had to know my stuff but um literally Alicia and I would like jog around the beautiful city we would do the show in the rehearsal room just for kicks make each other laugh
2: yeah
0: um and yeah and then say bye see you guys great show yeah um that was I saw great. the show Perfect. I saw the show at Signature Me I mean and Matt both saw it and loved it there so even to get the chance to cover it at the Kennedy Center I was so very excited to be included in that. Let me
1: just ask Heidi this for anyone who's listening and, and who cares if anyone is still out there. Um, when you take it into a studio to record for like PBS, first of all, talk about is it done in like one ready, set, go, take or what's the space look like? Are you like in an auditorium at some university? Where, how did that happen?
2: Yeah, uh, it's a great question. We um, recorded that show at a theater right outside of Chicago. And I am ridiculously like I can't seem to remember the name of that theater. And I'm killing myself because I can't remember it. I always love to give people shout-outs. Was it, it was a beautiful theater.
0: Was it the Marriott Marquis or something like that?
2: No, it was it was I'm in a suburb. Year. It was in a suburb of Chicago. And I know people who know this who are listening to this podcast are like, it's Blah Blah City. But anyway. Um, we, we um, recorded that with a brilliant production company called HMS Media. And the way that it worked was we um, did uh, lots of different takes of us without an audience. And um, just so that they could get different kinds of camera coverage. But there were like booms in the audience and cranes and like all over the place without, without people actually being there. And, um, you know, we got several passes at, at do probably the whole show, but then bits and pieces of the show. And then we did have an audience come in and we did the whole show all the way through. And then we went back and like, did, you know, like punched in things that we either screwed up or, you know, whatever, whatever happened, if David felt like, Um, we could do that better. Eric Schaefer was our director. And um, same with Eric, if like there was anything that he felt like we could get another pass at. And the audience was so patient and wonderful um, that, you know, I think they were sort of excited to be a part of that process because we were performing live, but they were part of it too. And there were lots of like audience takes and, um, you know, the, the cameras would, would, like wrap around so that they could get the audience reaction. And um, I remember they were, you know, towards the end of the day, it was like, you know, lot together and towards the end of the day, when we were like punching certain things (laughs) I remember at the top of, I think it was actually at the beginning of at the Rialto, which is my part of the movie talking about. I was positioned in the highest place on and I was wearing these and I still have them these ridiculously high stiletto Stuart Weitzman like killer shoes and um and I had to walk down these stairs but I had to like glide because the the music is so hypnotic and gentle it's just a piano in the background played beautifully by Paul Massey and um and I to glide down these stairs and I thought I was going to fall like and the audience every like I did a take and I was fine and then in between takes I was talking to the audience and telling them how much pain I was in and that was such a mistake we became friends but then when I kept doing the take over and over again the audience was Oh, like
0: everybody's
2: worried about coming down the stairs. And like, at the end of it, I was like, we all got through it. We got through it. Um, But they were, they were so generous and lovely. And it was very fun to a live audience. And a lot of stuff is being filmed like that now. Or certainly before the pandemic. Um, They're filming musicals more and more where they will do it without an audience. I know Bandstand had, uh, they filmed Bandstand this way where they did it without an audience. Hamilton, you know, like as they were filming, I mean, Hamilton got the, you know, the red carpet treatment, I'm sure it's on Disney plus they had a million cameras and, you know, everything that they could ever possibly need. Um, but they are starting to do this more and more. And now because of the pandemic, I think that recording musicals is going to be a very, very normal thing. You know, I know they're doing that with Diana.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I, I think they've, have they already recorded it? If they haven't already recorded it, they are about to. And, um, you know, I, I do think that's going to be a new thing for musicals that not only will we be doing them live, but people who can't get to New York or, or you know, afford a tour ticket um, will be able to see them from their couch, which is which is great. I mean, I, of course, have some mixed feelings about that because theater is a live a living, breathing, ephemeral art form. And so seeing a recording of it is is not the same. But if it's but if it's all you've got, it's like please, it's it's a great, it's a beautiful thing to have.
1: Yeah. I think it's exciting that maybe whoever can come see you in New York can, but also grandma can catch the show from like Wisconsin. Yeah, for sure. For sure. sure thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's forced both the industry, the unions, uh, to, to rethink a lot um, and, and hopefully evolve on some issues. Uh, right. I, I've had a lot of different theater innovators on the show with us, and they're saying, you know, once you have that, you can't take it away. Like, it's got to stay yeah. there in some faction or form. Um, yeah. be- because there's some people who, whether they're housebound or whatever, you know, right. by this this miracle, uh, are allowed to see what they love and miss again, and
1: maybe um, Meet John Doe will be like oh, it will we live, but one night will be live streamed. Meet yeah, John Doe. Listen, I'm. Uh, let's
2: let's bring Meet John Doe back,
0: shall we?
1: Was that a good that a good segue?
0: That was a very good segue. I was
1: trying to be clever. You, you know, you're always
0: clever. Always, Matthew. That- okay,
1: meet John Doe. I've always been the um, first husband at the theater. I'm commonless husband at the theater. Um, but but um, talk about meet, meet John Doe, you two. I'll stay out, out of it. But I do want Heidi to remember the song I love that she sang. And I can't remember if it's the end of act one or if it was in act two, but there was one song. They were all great songs. And I tell you, that's. I don't, he said he threw me. I don't know, but that may have been the best show I've ever seen at mm-hmm. the Ford's Theater in Aww. my life. Oh, thank you. Well, I I can't even remember what
0: year that was. Was that two thousand and
2: million years ago? I mean, um, it was a long. Was it two thousand and eight? It was a long um, time ago. I don't maybe. even know. Um, it 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 still remains you know such a huge like highlight for me both in my career and in my life you know that was such a such a turning point up until that point i had never played a part that large and um and it was it was one of the shows that you know gave me my balls you know it, it really she's such a such a barracuda strong powerful woman um i was so i was so terrified of her um but that score um is one of the most beautiful scores i have ever had the pleasure of singing and um what a great story. And I, you know, a lot of the, it's funny, the shows that you work on outside of the town I'm currently in, um, you know, you always have great hopes that they will find their, their road to Broadway. And I have to say, maybe of all the shows I've ever done that have been not quite Broadway shows, that's the one that I thought would come in. Um, and it was just such a beautiful, beautiful show. And I felt like all the elements were there and, um, it's not too late. It's not too late. I'm getting a little old, but I'm not too old yet. Um, but it was a thrill. That show was really something else.
0: And the composer was, um, Gurla, and, Andrew Gurla. Andrew
2: Gurla and Eddie Sugarman. Eddie Sugarman. The lyricist and the book writer. So talented, those guys. That, and, that score. Uh, yeah, That's it was really cool. great. It's out there if you guys haven't heard it. You can get it in various places where they sell music. Um, and it's really, it's really worth listening. And I, I will say that um, I'm Your Man ended up being a total uh, bridge for the composers of Something Rotten when they were writing Right Hand Man for me. Because, yeah because um you know something rotten had been in development forever but before right before the show went to Broadway they basically scra- and I hadn't been a part of it they scrapped the entire storyline that they had for B B existed but she just had a totally different storyline and they decided they were going to go in a different direction for her and I was I got one of those ridiculous like miracle phone calls where they asked just I was asked if I wanted to do it and I was like is, am I being punked right now? I couldn't believe it. I was literally at the Paper Mill Playhouse doing Elf, and Casey Nicola, the director, called me, and he was like, do you want to do this? And I, I was crying in my dressing room. I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And it was this, like, mad dash to get me into this company that had been together for, like, two and a half years making this show, and also to get B written. And the writers, Wayne and Carrie Kirkpatrick, um and John O'Farrell were just like trying to figure out how to write for me perfectly. And thank God for YouTube. And they went to YouTube and they found I'm your man. And they were like, that's it. That's how we, that's, that's our way in. And, um, you know, they wrote right-hand man with having very much been inspired by I'm your man, including the door slam at the end. And I always joke, like these big, songs that I have these big first act I want songs that I've been lucky enough to create I I end up like singing a big belty note and then I slam the door and then the door gets the applause <laughs> and I walk off stage I'm like wait a minute I hear I should be getting I should be taking a bath maybe that's the recipe for my success so write me a musical with a big song where I slam a door and the closed door gets all the applause
0: and it'll be a I hit love it. I love it. I cu- cut to speaking of that YouTube clip. Um, yeah. when we when we did that yeah. uh, for for the Ford's presidential gala um, yep. Do you remember you and me in the wings just casually talking with uh, Olivia Newton-John? How can um, I forget? And she was I- like, "I don't imagine them uh, in their underwear. I imagine them naked." Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Sweeter, that was a
2: terrible Australian accent, by the way, Stephen. I I, mean, I didn't even I, try. Didn't even <laughs> didn't Mine's worse I wouldn't even dare to try. Um, yeah, he could not have been. And I have always been such a fan of hers my entire yes, life, yeah. and so to be with her in the wings like that, and I have a picture with her and. It, difficult for me to not for me not to like frame it and put it on my wall just I, I don't want a fangirl in my own house but I love her so truly madly deeply
0: oh I love that woman oh my god we were backstage and she was singing Xanadu I mean I, I couldn't yes. have been happier um, so,
2: so sweet and I remember I remember I said you know I finally got the guts to say to her I think it was at the dinner afterwards that was such a sparkly dinner that was so fancy um remember fancy dinners right um, yeah um I, I finally got the nerve to say to her listen i just wanted to say and i'm sure everybody says it to you i'm just such a big fan and she said and now i'm a fan of yours notice i did not do that australian accent because i can't good good um, good
0: choice yeah but i'm
2: <laughs> i'm like thanks olivia newton john that's she's so sweet though what a nice lady
0: You were working, when we were doing Meet John Doe, I would come up and just do little check-in visits in your dressing room, like, before half hour. Yeah. And I don't know why. I think I was just immediately drawn to you, and I was like, we're going to be buds. It's going to be great. And Uh I I remember you were in The Dilemma that then got written about in Title of Show, where you had Title of Show that you've been working on forever, yet you had the Disney offer. And so cut to blowing my mind when I, when I finally got to see Title of Show, it wasn't with you even in it, which is so weird for me watching someone else be you, Yeah, and and then that whole discussion about, you know, whether it's The Little Mermaid or, you know, the Disney thing or whatever, and so can you, can you just kind of tell the listeners what the hell we're talking about?
2: Yeah, I, for those of you who are not familiar with Title of Show, Title of Show is a musical that I collaborated on with my dear friends for many, many years. And uh, it started out really as a, as a writing exercise to get us off the couch. And um, we wrote a show that made us laugh and it was about the four, these four friends who were sort of like struggling actors. And then we, add, we folded in our friend Larry, who was the music director, and our friend Michael Barres directed it, who's not in the show, but we couldn't have done it without him. And really, the six of us uh, created this thing. We did it at the New York Musical Theater Festival. It got optioned by Kevin McCollum, who's a big, fancy Broadway producer. Kevin continued to nurture us through lots of different writing stages. Long story short, we got an off-Broadway run at the Vineyard Theater and, the sh- and then <laughs> miracle of miracles, uh, it became a Broadway show, which none of us, w- we were all dreaming about, but we really didn't think it was possible, but it became a Broadway show. And essentially the show is about, it's very meta. It's about four friends, writing the show that you're watching. (laughs) And it was, as you can imagine, and and all it is is four people singing with a guy on the keyboards. There are no special effects. There are no movie stars. There are no helicopters landing on stage. There are no camels, like nothing except us. And it's just about these four four friends who have a dream and who love each other. And um, somehow that little show that could made it to Broadway and um it took us about five years of of toiling and doing it for free and carrying that show on our backs um for it to finally get to broadway and because the universe is hilarious when it finally did get to broadway i was also in the little mermaid and um i it, it, they both kind of were uh, teasing at the same time. And so when I was doing and I, for The Little Mermaid, originally I was standing by for Sherry Renee Scott, who played Ursula brilliantly. And then along uh, I could go on with all of my Broadway stories, but eventually I cover and I had a part in the second act. And Carlotta to be exact. But anyway, when I was negotiating that contract, I said to Disney, all I need it, I'll take, I won't take, you don't need to pay me a lot of money. I just need an out if title of show goes to Broadway. And I don't think anybody in their right mind thought that title of show would ever make it to Broadway. And then it did. And we found, did we find that out while we were doing Me, John Doe, Stephen? I can't remember. I can't remember the timeline of all of it.
0: I don't Uh, think so. I don't think you found out about title going to Broadway yet. I think you you were around the Disney Point, though and I, yeah weren't you going to be on rollerblades or some shit
2: yeah that yeah when i when i was yes they're called heelys, Stephen. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. very popular with the kids um <laughs> yes all of those of us who were various fish um all had to learn how you know skate skate heelys. um very controversial but anyway um <laughs> what happened was title of the show did end up Broadway miraculously, Disney was so generous and they were like, we wish you nothing but the best. I left Mermaid, I did title of show. And then because t- title of show is crazy, it was a critical darling, but it was a commercial flop. And which is no surprise considering we didn't have a camel and, um, or anything for that matter. And um, right at the time title of show was closing, Sherry's, Sherry Renee Scott's contract was up. And because of title of show, because suddenly now everyone in the industry uh, saw the sh- saw title of show and really liked it because it's a love letter to Broadway really. Um, people c- kind of knew who we were. And because of that, I think Disney, when Sherry's contract was up, they were like, let's have Heidi back and let's have her play Ursula. And so that, I don't think that ever would have happened. You know, it's very rare for an understudy to take over a principal part. You, you're so valuable as an understudy that it's just very rare. And, um, and so when I left and did title and suddenly was Heidi from title of show, Disney asked if I would come play Ursula and I did. Okay, so cut to title of show then becomes like this popular show that gets done literally all over the world and you know it's been in mexico in israel in uh, japan you name it like and not to mention in practically every regional theater across the country all over colleges even in high schools we cleaned it up because it has some cuss words because we cuss a little bit um in real life uh, but it was done at the Signature Theater. And you can bet your boots that when I go to see title of show and I see somebody playing me, it is so I, I mean, I'm all, they're always awesome. And, great and I'm, I'm so happy that our show lives on. But I think it must be strange for people to know me or know us and then see the show and be like, "Oh my God, I know, I know her, and there's somebody playing her." And so I am sure it's a, bizarre, it's a very bizarre experience. Was it, it weird? It, it yeah. is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. I, I hear, I hear your voice. Um, I hear your humor. Yeah. Um. So it's very, very odd. But let's, let's segue that to our next subject. We got some Disney in there, which brings us to the Disney plus of it all Yeah. with Freaky Friday. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be honest with you, Heidi. <laughs> we just watched it last night.
2: Okay. That's absolutely um, reasonable. And what did you think?
0: Well, I don't think that we're the um, target audience. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. Right. However, 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 uh, first of all, in love with the song about lying. Yes. Mm-hmm. Parents lie. So, yes. Yeah. Some really amazing um, music and lyrics. I was really drawn into how. Uh, the movie really drew me in. Like I was l- in love with every single character. Yeah. The 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 son, the daughter, the husband, the uh, that son was super cute. Th- yeah. I loved I loved it. And then at some point, I thought, well, oh gosh, it's already it's already over. It's it's ending. No, don't end. Mm-hmm. What's going Disney Channel, now,
2: baby. Disney Channel. We got to keep it like a tight ninety. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. it was it was like okay. I don't
0: take it this is the wrong thing to say. I'm already admitting that this is the wrong thing to say. It <laughs> reminded me of the vibe of like the Hallmark Christmas films. You know sure. what I mean? Please, you got- are you
2: kidding? I'd be happy to do one of those. There's nothing wrong with those. I'll, ta- I'll take one of those all the way to the bank. Thank you so like,
0: much. I'm frankly surprised you haven't. And <laughs> your agents need to get on that. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was it was so... I didn't get to see it, when it was here. We were working on our show, Silver Bells, yeah. upstairs while you guys were in performance,
1: so yeah. we were. Yeah, that has not played in Mexico, continue. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Well, yeah. it could open, it could maybe open for title of show. There you go. there you <laughs> go. Musicals don't have opening acts. Well, we could change that. Okay, let's talk about, we talked about the process in the studio uh, theater uh, place, we can't remember in Chicago. So what was the process of filming a musical? Was this done in LA?
2: No, it was actually filmed in Vancouver, um, which was the most... Uh, have you ever been there? Have you ever been no. To oh, no. Most beautiful city. It's just... I love the Pacific Northwest, and that was just so idyllic. I loved every second of it. Um, I will say that the, the theatrical version of Freaky Friday, um, uh, in contrast to movie that Disney Channel made... Um, they are kind of vastly different. And um, I am very proud of both, but the theatrical version, you know, I am a, I'm a theater girl and my, my blood pumps with two acts and a, and a I don't know, an entre act, you know, like I, that's, I love a, a musical, a real beating musical. And I had never made a movie before, and I knew that um, I knew that there were going to be lots of changes, and and as as there should be, our show would not have been digestible for the Disney Channel demographic um, as it was on stage at Signature. Um, and it is deceptively, I think, a lot of people who have not seen the theatrical version of Freaky Friday may think, "Oh, Freaky Friday, cute Disney." And then you get in there and you're crying. And um, it, it really, I mean, it's Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkey who won a Pulitzer for Next to Normal. So they know what they're doing and brilliant Bridget Carpenter, who's like an amazing, amazing, not only theater writer but also television writer. She's responsible for Friday Night Lights and Parenthood on TV. She's like so great with colloquial dialogue. And the show was profound. Not to mention Emma Hunton, who was my theatrical Ellie, she and I were, we had that crazy thing. And maybe you guys have experienced this in your career. Emma and I had that thing that happens where um, sonically, we sound, when we sing together, we sound like one voice. And um, like our mothers Mm could not tell us apart when we were singing. And if you listen to the theatrical recording, it is very difficult for people to figure out who, where's Heidi, where's Emma. And we had, we were just very close. We became incredibly close. And it was a super special time. That's another show that I'm like that one, that one should have come in and maybe it will, who knows, you never know. but when we translated it for Disney Channel, it was a little bittersweet because, um, first of all, I had absolutely, uh, I I was, if I would have bet money on whether or not I would have participated in that, I absolutely would have bet against me. I didn't think any of us were going to be able to, uh, re- Barky's, to re- to to repeat our character in the movie. And uh, the bittersweet part was that I ended up being the only one. And that was tough. That was really hard because I loved my company so much and we had built this thing. But, you know, TV's TV. And, and I think that I was just so excited to have been asked to the party because I really did think it wasn't going to be me. And so when it was me, I, I really. was like, I am along for the ride. I am so grateful for this experience. I am going to be learning so much but they, lit, you know, it was literally 90 minutes. There were, most of the songs were cut. There were a handful of songs that were added uh, and it was, the storyline was shifted a little bit and um, I really do think that what the product that came out I'm very proud of it and the other thing is that I have never done that before and director Steve Carr who's a total goofball and I such a great director Steve is is um you know famous for uh, uh uh directing movies with like big comedians in the starring roles like um Daddy Daycare and Mall Cop and things like that where you've Murphy Kevin James and he's used to like letting letting his star kind of like improv so Steve kept encouraging me to improv and you guys just watched the movie last night there are scenes that are utter and complete and total improvisation and he he made me so comfortable and that obviously can't be in the theater you know because other people have lines they need you to say. And the people up who are running the spots need to know when you're going to cross. So you can't improvise during a show. Um, but it, but I did get to improvise in the movie. And um, it was so fun. And I can't wait to, to you know, if I'm lucky enough to do a movie again or do something on TV, I can't wait. Because it, I, I really loved it. I loved it so much. But I think, you know... It, I'm a theater girl and um, I, I, I'm so happy that now Freaky Friday, the theatrical version is getting done and done and done. And I can't tell you how many over, over the course of the pandemic, I have sent video shout outs and had meet and greets, you know, in my living room with all of these companies that are doing virtual productions, especially right now, like lots of high schools are doing masked productions of Freaky Friday. And so that show lives mm-hmm. on. And Part of the reason it lives on is because of the movie, you know, because so many people saw the movie and right. um, now they've got the theatrical version to do on stage. So it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned.
1: Was was the biology song from the mm. uh, theatrical version?
2: Yes, biology was was a song that was there in both versions. Same with Parents Lie, which I think is such a masterpiece. Just for me was there the opening song. Um, I'm trying to think. The ending song at the wedding was a brand new song that Tom Kitt wrote. Um, oh yeah brand new that yeah it was all very very different and and there was another beautiful song that if you've seen the theatrical version you'll probably remember it's a beautiful song called after all of this and everything Mm -hmm. and it's a song that i sing as i am ellie in Catherine's body and i'm a little brother and um it's just this beautiful kind of it's, it's sort of a twisted lullaby about her coming to terms with her father's death and et cetera, et cetera. And um, they really wanted it to be in the movie. But it take on stage, the entire song takes place, me sitting in a chair with this 10-year-old boy in my lap. And I remember the director said to me, we're going to cut it because I've been trying to figure out how to do it on screen. And if you think about it, there's no way to do that. Because he was like, I was gonna go through the house and like put the camera on pictures on the wall of your past, but I can't keep the camera on you for an entire song in a movie. And I was like, right, you can't. Because, and that's the magic of theater. You're for that moment. You know, for the character to sit still and sing the crap out of a song and to make you cry, but in a movie you can't just leave the camera still for two minutes and just let a character sing a song. It just doesn't work like that. I mean, maybe Judy Garland did it in *Somewhere Over the Rainbow*. Well, that's
0: that's what was so weird, right, about um, whatever Judy about (laughs) the the *Les Mis* movie to me. Yeah. Was, I was like, what? This is so static. It doesn't work this way. This is not. Yeah. I think the era of things has just changed. Yeah, Judy <clears throat> Garland could absolutely do that. But I mean, don't tell me they didn't do close up zooms or something else yeah, you know, to yeah, break yeah. it up.
1: Of course. But, of course.
0: uh, well, we really loved that. Uh,
1: watching that last night, it was very special to us. And we, we I, know- was, I was actually just teaching a, a piano lesson to a friend of mine. Well, to one of my students, and I said that we were going to interview um, Heidi Blickenstaff tonight. And uh, she, we just watched the movie of Freaky Friday, and she said. Oh my God, we just watched Freaky Friday. Who was she? And I was like, she was the mom. She's like, oh my God. That's so funny.
2: <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, I, it's, it is funny. When you do something on film and TV, I think those are, you know, we're used to, uh, you know, our audience is thousands of people. But when you do film and TV, suddenly your audience is millions. And right. um, it is a very, very different thing. And I'll never forget, like, Not long after the movie was released, I was in a Target. (laughs) I was in a Target. And this little boy, like six, maybe seven. And I was like buying school supplies for my stepson. And um, he was in the aisle. And he kept like looking at me and looking at me and looking at me. And, you know, I didn't think of any. I didn't think it was anything because, you know, he's a little boy. I wasn't sure it would be a Freaky Friday thing. And um, sure enough, his mom, after he was staring at me for a long time, he ran around the corner, and then he came back with his mom, and she said to me, I'm sorry, my son keeps telling me that you were in a movie, and I told him, no, she was not. (laughs) And I was like, no, I think he's right. And I said, what what movie did you see? And he said, Freaky Friday on Disney Channel. And I was like, I was in that. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I was like, no, it's okay. it's okay." But you know, that movie has, lots of of people have seen that movie. And so I'm just so grateful that it exists,
0: you know? I just want to like create a reality show in which Heidi walks around Targets yeah. In a freaky Friday jacket, and just to see if people, yeah. Um, hilarious, gross. We, I want to start to wrap it up because I don't want to
1: take too much of your time. Our at... producer just gave us this the sign, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just saying this before you wrap this up, Stephen. Well, I have a few
0: questions to ask
1: in the wrap up, yeah. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm just going through this out here before you go. I, I'm thinking the four friends from Tidal Show maybe there's a reason to get together and start working on a show called the sequel.
2: There you go. There you go. I mean, I I'm, I'm down for that. i yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> let them know what you said and we'll okay. see. What okay.
0: okay. Maybe you guys could pod together as they say. Uh, yeah, totally. I like that. Um. All right. Well, so Tonight we were doing, I didn't tell you we were going to do this, so please forgive me. This is a spontaneous surprise. We, we do this stuff out of this workbook called You're Weird, and it's like Ooh. a creative workbook for weird people. Love it. Um, so this exercise is called Fortune Favors the Weird. What ridiculous message would you want to find inside a fortune cookie? What would you want to tell someone else in theirs? So we've wow. done three so far. Uh, okay. The exam- examples like no matter what they say you are something Um, (laughs) one one says don't look behind you and one just says oh no nothing else great Great. Um, so if you're opening a weird fortune cookie and what do you read
2: don't a dick. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Wait, that's the whole have... thing. <laughs> that's that's it. the whole thing. That's the whole thing. I'm I'm very big on like um you know there's a lot of talk in our industry about bullying right now and being poorly behaved. So that's been on my mind a bit, and uh, I think that you know I I I think we should all be reminded, don't be a dick.
0: Very good. You heard it here first. Yeah. Um, have you, in this quarantine, have you learned to do any new skills? Like, are you baking now? Are you XYZing?
2: I mean, I went through the baking phase. Um, I, I went through the dream phase. <laughs> and now I'm in the noom phase. I know a lot of people have had similar phases where they ate too much because they were, they were, you know, trying recipes making sourdough and baking all the things from the great British bake. I was drinking too much bourbon. And then, um, I decided, you know, I passed myself in the mirror one day and I was like, listen, at some point you are going to see people again. And so I will tell you as of I have lost 21 pounds. Wow. and And, um, And I have become like quite the Peloton uh, obsessive rider. And um, I've I've stopped drinking. I'm not eating sugar. I'm doing that thing because I I realized I got to get healthy uh, so that when I I walk outside of my house and try to get a job, people will recognize me <laughs> and I'll stay competitive in this industry. So I'm feeling really, really good. So um, I am, I'm am a lean, mean, transformed machine.
0: Maybe if you wear your freaky Friday jacket, they will, um, they'll, they'll, they'll recognize you, right?
2: Totally. Yeah. At least that kid in the, you know, school supplies aisle, he'll recognize me. If nothing else, I'll always have him.
0: You know, he's a future producer. You never know.
2: You never know. You never know.
0: And have you binged any shows uh, of note worth reporting?
2: Oh. You know the the show that I I think came out of utter left field, which we could not have loved more, was Ted Lazo? Have you guys watched that? No. All right. We're ending this podcast immediately, and you're going to go watch... Jason Sudeikis in Ted Lazo. It is so good. And um, it's a very strange premise about, uh, uh, I think he's a college football coach who gets, um, he gets a job coaching a soccer or football team in the UK. And, and it's a professional uh, soccer team. And it's just about his journey, his own journey about with coaching this team and, and managing all of these players. And he's going through a lot. His players are going through a lot. It's, and it's bite-sized. I think each episode is a half an hour. And um, it is the most, um, like, positive, uplifting Uh, just kind of shocking, beautiful, simple thing that I've seen in such a long time, especially coming out of the four years that we have come out of. Mm -hmm. It is is just like taking a bath in um, just simple goodness. And I could not recommend it more. A bunch of SAG awards and Hey, it, it, has it, have the Emmys happened? It's either nominated for all the Emmys or it won all of them. So I, they did. I think they did happen. Anyway, as soon as this, tonight, that's what you're watching. I think you can watch it on Apple Apple TV. I think it's so good, so good.
0: Okay, we will put that on the list. And okay. finally, if uh, I made this wish box thing, we're we're producing our friend. Um, Susan's album, Susan Derry, and uh, it's called I Wish It So. And so I made this wish box, and I wanted to ask, because we've been talking about wishes uh, with Susan and all this kind of brainstorming of different things, and I just became obsessed with the idea of a wish and about collecting wishes from all of our guests, which are all of our Mm -hmm. friends, and putting them in this box and opening it maybe in a year and seeing where we were Um, Mm -hmm. as a culture.
1: Or like Burning Man. Yeah, or (laughs) just
0: burn it all down to the ground. But uh, Mm -hmm. so I've been asking if you could wish one thing, and literally it could be anything in the world, for you, for someone else, for what would your wish be?
2: Wow. Um, Well, I will say that, you know, there's so much going on in the Broadway community right now. Say so. That I wish that Broadway comes back soon, but I I wish come back with more representation of people of color and women in positions of power, and um, you know I think it's so important right now that. uh, not just on stage, but backstage, that we see we see representation, and um, I think it will make our industry a better place. And to echo my theme from earlier, no dicks, and if there is uh, if there is anybody that is um, you know intimidating people or bullying people or manipulating people. I, I wish for all of us that we have the strength to say something and, and then if we're not the first person to say something, then to be immediately second and to support, to support people who are standing up to all of that stuff. So I want Broadway back and I want it back better. That's my In, way.
0: Indeed. Yeah, Yeah, Got it. Well, Heidi, it's been a blast. Um, We have now a great show to watch, I guess, after this. so You're welcome. I will do a book report and answer you back how we loved it. Yes. Um, And
2: and one of the leads, I will tell you, one of the leads is a musical uh, theater performer in London. I think she played um, the diva. What's the diva's name in Spamalot? I know she played lady of the lake in, in London. You'll, uh, when you see her, you'll be like, of course, of course. So there, there, it, there's your musical theater
0: in road. Yeah. Got you. Um, yeah. well, thanks so much. Uh, and I promise, uh, I will be a better friend and be in touch with you soon.
2: Ditto friend. I, I say exactly the same and, um, soon let's like, you know, when I, when I come down to DC or you come to New York, let's like give each other big hugs and kisses. I can't wait to see you face to face, both of you.
0: Absolutely. And send love to the hubby, please.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. This was a total pleasure.
1: Yes. Love you. You take care. Love you guys too. All right. Bye.
0: all right and we're back um we are back we loved that
1: uh so great to catch up didn't with I, Heidi didn't I secretly get not secretly didn't I get Heidi didn't I geek out and get Heidi to sign one of my secret tuxedo shirts that are signed and I wear them and no one knows that they're signed until I open them up and go Lada. I don't know I have to check. You'll have to check if you
0: have a Heidi shirt, and we just didn't bring that up even. Okay. Um. We have three more fortunes left to do. Matt, give us
1: one. Um. You just got. To, okay. Uh. All
0: right. I'm gonna go while you think and make noises. Um. Mine just says. I'm sorry. That would be weird to read. All right, next up. Um... This is about your car
1: insurance?
0: This is about your car insurance. You know,
1: all the little phone messages. I don't know why I'm not finding this as funny as I think I should for some reason. Maybe it's because the fortunes or cookies are already kind of... (laughs) Um... And one last one. Whoever
0: thinks of it first. um, What if it just said, watch where you're going? I think that would be weird. Um, And ominous to find in a fortune cookie. Yeah, totally. I mean, actually, in any cookie. Right. Well, I think we're cookied out this episode. Uh, So... so, If you ever want to learn more about us, you can find us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, as we always like to say, turn your heart into, into
1: art. art. Good night, Bye. everybody.